0: The Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. Learn about the most current I.T. security threats in ransomware, phishing, business email compromise, cyber crime tactics, cyber heist schemes, social engineering scams, as well as hints and tips from leading professionals to help you prevent hackers from penetrating your network and dropping ransomware or malware payloads. This podcast will arm you with the best info to defend your network against the latest cyber crimes. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And now, here's your host, Craig Petronella. Welcome to another
1: episode of the Petronella Cybersecurity Podcast. Got Aaron, BJ, and Blake on the line. We're going to talk about the latest cybersecurity news today. Folks are welcome to join on the live stream as well. If anybody had questions that you wanted us to address, you can join the live stream on any of our supported platforms on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and you can join the party. I saw one of you guys posted something about the GoDaddy backdoor breach that was announced with WordPress.
2: We just talked about GoDaddy and used the word authority in regards to GoDaddy just two or three days ago. So let's talk about already GoDaddy having the backdoor problem.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people get started with GoDaddy because it's cheap, right? Domains are cheap, hosting's cheap. But we've actually gotten a lot of clients that came from GoDaddy because they had a breach of some sort. And oftentimes on those low-end packages, there's little to no security, pretty much nothing there. So I think with this particular issue, there was a WordPress. And I think that the lack of updates allowed for this backdoor
2: action to happen. Is that right? Yeah, and WordPress has come up in Breach News a few times. We've heard quite a bit going on with WordPress. So what's going on there, you think? it's like Microsoft,
1: right? So WordPress is uh, super popular in the community for an easy to use, easy to launch content management system where you don't need a lot of coding or technical knowledge to host or to manage a website. But once it's thrown up there, WordPress has a lot of different kind of templates that can be purchased very inexpensively. You can make a rather modern, pretty website very inexpensively. But the problem with WordPress is since it's so well known, it's also the prime target for a lot of hackers. So there's security options and security controls that need to be put onto a WordPress website to make sure that not only is it protected, but it's also backed up. And we've got a lot of experience with that and security hardening those folks. There's also hosting requirements too. WordPress is similar to Microsoft where it's got, in my opinion, a lot of bloat to it. So it requires really fast servers and hosts, which on the cheapest side will cause the site to be very slow. And sometimes unresponsive, so you need a lot of horsepower, so to speak, to properly host a WordPress website. But yeah, it's in the hacker's lens because of its popularity and how many
2: people use it. WordPress definitely seems to tailor to those with a lesser degree of technical knowledge. So... When you go on there and you create a WordPress website, is it right to say that literally there's really no built-in security that you should be able to count on? It's pretty vulnerable.
1: Yeah, it's similar to a Windows 11 computer. You could take it right out of the styrofoam and connect it to the internet. But if you don't have it patched first, it's going to get back within mm-hmm. minutes or second. And it's similar to that approach. Where out of the box, it's not going to really have any cyber capability. It's obviously going to want to fetch its latest update from the internet. And WordPress has what's called a SQL database backend, a MySQL database backend. So there's different pieces of what's called a stack. Typically, it's a LAMP stack. It's called Linux, Apache, MySQL, and PHP. And those technologies, which are all different, different groups that make those technologies, those together form the stack. And once you have that stack, then you put on top of that the WordPress, and then it uses all those other components. But all of those components in the stack must be properly secured, maintained, and patched. Because if they're not, and they're not up to the latest and greatest... That's how loopholes happen and hackers exploit those loopholes. Done by WordPress or is that on the user to No, do? this is all prerequisite.
2: Ooh. So then am I correct in saying that the user has to safeguard and keep current all pieces of that stack and then on top of that, also what plugins they use in WordPress? Are they responsible also for securing?
1: <laughs> so a lot of these providers like GoDaddy will have what's called a one-click installation. So it's a script. Let's say you go on a GoDaddy, really inexpensive, and it's not just GoDaddy, it could be any inexpensive shared hosting provider, but any kind of inexpensive hosting provider is going to be shared. And it's going to be shared with hundreds or most often thousands of other people on that server. Okay. And Typically in the configuration, they have what's called a one-click install. Most modern host providers have this, where you can literally click one button. It'll kick off a lot of scripts to set up the MySQL, the PHP, and all this stuff. And then it'll get it all ready for WordPress. And then it'll install what we call in the technical world a vanilla installation, a very basic installation of the software, has a default template assigned to it. It looks pretty bland out of the box, right? After that's all done and you have this vanilla installation, you have to go through the patch process and the securing process process. process. you got to make sure that it's got all the latest updates. That's at the WordPress level, but you have to do the same under the hood. A lot of people, they don't ever see under the hood because most people are not technical. They're relying on these scripts to do this thing, right? And a lot of providers will do auto updating and patching at some of those other levels. Some will not because sometimes patches break things. And then you mentioned plugins. So any kind of plugin that makes the website prettier from a cosmetic perspective, or maybe you have a plugin for a form or a plugin for uh, Google. Google Analytics, all these different plugins, they all need to be updated and secured as well.
2: Wow. To manage a WordPress website, it sounds like you really need to be looking at a lot of things that maybe people aren't looking at right now. And we near on WordPress and you mentioned that people are sharing, can other users on WordPress be a risk to other users? Is that even a thing? Because it starts somewhere and then it grows and then it goes sideways and upwards and downwards and diagonal.
1: Yeah, we'll take a step back. So one-click install makes it super easy for really anyone to install WordPress. But like we had said many times, cybersecurity took a backseat. So you're relying Mm -hmm. upon the provider to not only make sure that all these prerequisites are up to date and stay up to date, but oftentimes in the fine print of the provider, they hold themselves harmless to any kind of security or configuration. And they leave that up to the user to properly secure and configure So even with Amazon and Google and Microsoft environments, you you can get Amazon Web Services, for example. Most people can sign up for it. It does require a little bit more technical expertise to even know what you want to sign up for. But my point is that they give you all these dials and controls, but it's your responsibility to secure it. And most people just gloss over they don't do it. And that's how these breaches happen. But to touch on what you just said, what happens there is now they got this WordPress website, they get plugins and they dress it all up with a new theme and everything, make it look pretty. But often Oftentimes, again, the security takes a backseat. So they move on, they go about their day, and then they get hit with something like this vulnerability. And then all the people that are hitting that website are now at risk of infection. Because if there's ransomware on the website and you're infected because of this hole, every visitor that hits your website is now a potential victim.
2: So you're literally putting all your visitors at risk. And then is there a sideways risk for other sites that are posted on WordPress? Is there a sideways risk as well? That depends on the
1: host provider. I would think that most hosting providers have what's called segmentation so that they wouldn't be spillover like that. But I'm taught to never assume anything. (laughs) So I'm sure that there are risks that exist at some provider level for spillover like that that are not properly segmented. But yeah, and then you've got local and regulations too. You've got ADA and FTC regulations. And if you're in a state that has data breach notification laws, which most states have, if something happens with that website, you may be obligated and by law, To disclose that something happened. And then now you got brand tarnishing and reputation management to withhold. You know what I mean? It just gets really nasty.
2: Speaking of FTC, we just saw FTC seeking to fine a company, Cafe Press, for a breach in 2019. They didn't report in time. And they're not a cybersecurity firm. They make t-shirts, I think. But it looks like a half a million dollars is the fine that FTC is seeking in regards to that breach. I always feel sad when I see a certain company hit like that because these types of things are happening to a lot of companies and then they get the brand tarnished, but these problems are so deep and widespread.
3: But I think the reason they got in trouble though, and I could be wrong, but I think they got in trouble just because they didn't report it.
1: That's why all of our customers, they get data breach guidance by a certified privacy officer. So any of our clients, if they were to have an issue like that, which most likely they wouldn't, but the the point is if they did suffer something like that, they would get assistance and support around that. But that story, it is sad. It's also, though, how all these rules and regulations are changing every day. And it's so hard for the business or the business owner to keep up. And it's just so important to have a trusted third party to help them with that. And that story reminds me of the ADA compliance. I don't know if you guys remember, but I talked about this a while ago around how a, I think it was a shoe store, I think a sneaker store or something. And they had a similar issue, but it wasn't around a breach. It was around their shoe store wasn't friendly to blind people. So they failed ADA compliance and they got hit with, I think it was fifty or or $100,000 in fines because their website was not ADA compliant.
2: Oh, wow. What we're seeing on a big picture right now, what you can see in the current state of the war and stuff and how it's going, it's definitely branching into physical and cyber. This is probably the first time we've never seen something like this where the war took a cyber twist. And if that's not a sign of the times and the fact that your cyber presence is becoming every bit as important as your brick and mortar, your physical presence, if, if not more so, I would agree with that. When you start to hear about the fear that the origin of how this thing could go and what the possibilities are, they're all really related to cyber threats. For example, nextgov.com put out something, I guess they have a cyberspace solarium commission, and they determine when to use force depending upon the level of the risk. But it does seem like a lot of the anxiety is related to the escalation of cyber war. And that should be really indicative to people that their cyber presence is so often neglected. This should be not a wake up call, but an awareness call. This is a shift in what's really important in protecting your cyber presence is not something to be overlooked anymore. It's really catastrophic, right?
1: And it's also brought the risks at more of a global level, though, right? Because if you have a website and that website's available to really anyone in the world, let's say you have that shoe store, that T-shirt store, right? You know, that T-shirt store might have a customer radius of maybe five miles from that store. Maybe they do online shipping in other parts of the world so they have some more global or international presence there. But a typical mom and pop does not need to do business across the world. But my point is that a long time ago, before the internet and websites really, mom and pop businesses were really more physical on the security side. And like you said, now they're more on the cyber side. Because think about it, if you're in a country and you're paid to be a cyber criminal and that's your day job and you're dropping malware and ransomware and that's how you make money, are you going to go get up out of bed, get dressed and go to the local place to try to do something yeah. bad and get arrested? Or are you going to go try to attack somebody across the world that right. does not typically have any kind of protection or even insight into you doing something like that?
2: there's no segmentation anymore. You used to be able to have a quarter store and you could put bars on the windows and keep yourself separate from every other business and just isolate yourself and protect yourself. But now the world is becoming very connected and probably it always was. But now because of cyberspace, we're actually coming face to face with the reality of the connectivity of the world. The example about WordPress is the perfect example about how even if you don't even know these other businesses, you're on the same platform. You're all connected now. You're all susceptible to the same breaches and backdoor things. Let me read this. This is a definition I found online when I just Googled IoT, cybersecurity, IoT being Internet of Things. And as we talked about yesterday, pretty much if you're connected to the Internet, you probably have an IoT device and you're holding one in your hands all the time. But it says IoT security is the technology segment focused on safeguarding connected devices and networks in the Internet of Things. IoT involves adding Internet connectivity to a system of interrelated computing devices, mechanical and digital machines, objects, animals and or people. If that's not a definition of connectivity, (laughs) we can't deny anymore the fact that there is a connection just in these platforms. GoDaddy. How many businesses have become connected due to GoDaddy?
3: And I wanted to bring up a point, too, because with that other cyber breach that we were talking about, the Cafe Press, the database contained 23,205,290 records.
0: Oh, including wow.
3: email addresses, names, phone numbers, and physical addresses. And then half of them also had encrypted passwords attached, with most of them hashed using an older form of encryption that could be easily cracked. So when you're talking about connectivity and things like that, it's like a small t-shirt company, but that's a lot of records. Not only Good. is it
1: a lot of records, but look at the data that you identified. Yeah. Name. Very powerful data. Yeah. So that's considered personal identifiable information or PII, which is why the breach was so devastating because not only the quantity, but the type of data really zeroes in on the individual.
2: Ooh, very identifiable. Very, very much identifiable. It's interesting, Craig, because I've known you for years now and it just in the day-to-day interactions, we don't typically hear all the knowledge that's in your brain come out because there's just not typically an outlet for it because there's other things going on, other things to focus on. But when you start talking, when you start speaking, it almost sounds like, surely he's reading from an encyclopedia. This can't all be, but it is in your head. This is really eye-opening. So many people don't understand even what the internet is or what IoT devices are or what cybersecurity means. And some people make the false assumption that, oh, as long as it's encrypted, it's safe. That wasn't true before because you can break encryption in lots of ways, but that's especially not true now. They were announcing these quantum-safe algorithms, quantum-safe encryption, and there was an article saying that recently it was easily broken. So even the quantum-safe encryption is not safe. Encryption is not a catch-all. So cybersecurity is the key. And for so long, this knowledge has been in the dark, obscure. People like you have carried it around in your brains for all these years. And there's just such a disconnect between the level of intelligence and knowledge on these topics in the cybersecurity people and then the mainstream that I see that this is all having to come together in a convergence. Now, that's the only sustainable pathway your knowledge has to leak into the mainstream. We need this understanding.
1: Yeah, it gets really complicated. I think you're right. I think a lot of people don't realize how much this stuff touches everything and how intertwined it all
2: is. We've always known it was complicated to a certain degree in our field. But yesterday, when you mentioned the 60,000 ports, even for me, that shown a new light. This is complicated at a level that even I didn't comprehend. This is truly the definition of complicated. Oh, yeah.
1: And that's why people don't do anything with cyber. They're scared of it and they don't understand it and they just do nothing yeah and the sad reality is that doing nothing is super harmful, as you've seen with the t-shirt company. And people might be listening or watching and think my business is too small. Maybe I'll only have 50 or 100 records in my database. Nobody wants that. But that's actually not true. The little guys are at high risk because they don't have near the defenses of the big guys. They're i eye target mm-hmm. to be
2: used as a staging
1: ground. A launching pad or even identity theft. Even if uh-huh. you have a small business and you're somewhat successful, your identity might be worth something to the bad actor Maybe you have good credit. Maybe they want your credit. Maybe they want to get a surgery. I think I told you guys when we did a show one time where I told you about the guy that got nailed with fraudulent medical bills and he was fighting and fighting and finally went up to the hospital and had to pull up a shirt and say, I never had a surgery.
2: Recently, a piece of mail came from my daughter, who's 12, about to be 13, for a bill from Children's Mercy Hospital. She's never been there. Yeah, it was in a different city and state
1: and everything. So, yeah. When she was born, at some point in time, in those 12 years, somebody passed that information. And there's actually bad people That are in the hospital right after that baby's born, they'll sell that information. And then most people don't think to put identity protection on their kids, which they should. They should protect their whole family, not just when they turn 18 or whatever. Because oftentimes things like that happen and you would never know unless you were monitoring it.
2: Or you get that bill in the mail and you're like, what is it? (laughs) Now you got to
1: fight it, though. And then now you have to spend all your time dealing with it. Was that the only thing
2: done? Probably not. So then what else was done? Yeah. There's
3: parents, too, that do that to their children, which I think is so awful. They get credit cards in their young children's names and just don't pay them back and stuff. I worked in credit counseling for a long time. It was actually pretty common. (laughs) It's really messed up. Just reminded me of that
1: craziness.
2: Yeah, there's quite a bit of that. But it looks like there's a visible pathway forming for all this to sort itself out. For people like you that have quite some time now since the dawn of digital age, the computing age, have been very much ingrained with all of this. And the knowledge that you hold in your head can really be a benefit to all of us right now. Building computers as a child. So I don't know what drew you to it originally. But ever since then, you've probably soaked up so much information. There's no price tag you can put on that.
1: Yeah. As a curious kid, it was taking things apart and putting them back. Yeah, but g- you
2: were actually successful to a degree in rebuilding computers as a child. And that's probably not considered quite normal. (laughs) Ask my wife, I'm far from normal.
3: (laughs) I don't think we have to ask your wife. We're all weird. It's cool.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah, just taking things apart, putting it back together, and then building my own computer, ripping it apart, putting it back together, learning what all the parts did. And that was fun for me. (laughs) So I am weird.
2: (laughs) Yeah, maybe on a larger scale from a different perspective, maybe that's what we're doing with a whole internet and internet of things now. Maybe it started on one pathway just because it had to launch somewhere, but maybe now it's... It's actually coming together for its cleanup, basically, so that it can go in the right direction because the path that it took to begin with definitely led us to a place we don't really want to (laughs) be.
1: Yeah, I did a lecture for some up-and-coming law students at a university about an hour ago, and one of the students had a parent, I think, that worked in the defense industrial base, and they were saying how they thought that it was cost prohibitive for them to get CMMC, for example, and they had no idea that CMMC 2.0 came out and how it reduced it and made it so much easier to get. There's just so much misinformation, and the facts Mm -hmm. are, even at the defense industrial base or CMMC level, it's not that hard, and it's not that expensive. The reality is it's not that expensive to get compliant and do the right thing. It's oftentimes much less than hiring another body in your organization. The same thing at the consumer level. There's so many free and powerful tools like Signal, for example, and Mm -hmm. Prevail has a free option. And there's different tools out there that the average consumer can take into their own hands. I mean, we have guides on this stuff that we've produced. We've done lectures on it.
2: It's true. It's the same thing with the extended detection and response tools. I think it's pretty obvious that the more people that use those, the less the price can be. Because as the machine learning unfolds and it gets more and more effective and efficient, then there's going to be less of a need for human oversight as the machine learning develops. And so the price of those tools can come down. So it's just about adoption.
1: Well, it's about adoption and proper configuration and orchestration. But even with the tools that have a commercial pricing side to it, we work hard as a company to vet and test those solutions. And then the reality of the situation is oftentimes we're able to negotiate better prices than those consumers going direct. So that's why we encourage that they come Mm -hmm. to us. We can give them the shortcut, that catalyst.
2: There's a definite change recently in the level of value that's applied to cybersecurity experts. If you read through the headlines, like some of the government news this year, especially been really on the hunt for top cybersecurity talent, simply because, just like I said, when we hear you talk, and you could do that for hours, just going on and on with all these facts in your head, You can't recreate that. (laughs) That's not duplicatable. You've amassed all that and there's no way that can be mimicked or duplicated. That's authentic and genuine. And that's really in these times, it's priceless to have somebody like that in your corner. And obviously the government is realizing that because they're on the search for top cyber talent, but there's no price tag you can put on someone that can actually keep your business because what's the cost of CMMC and compliance compared to business continuity overall? Like if your business can't continue, that's the highest cost of all (laughs)
1: Yeah. And the sad reality is a lot of these small businesses that do nothing, like maybe the T-shirt or the mom and pop company, they've worked hard too, right? They started that business. Who knows whether it was from their life savings, for example. Why would you want to lose all that to something Mm. stupid from a cyber criminal on the other side of the world that Mm. would just literally overnight erase you all that hard work that you built up? in your small business is gone. It's a
2: perfect example of how forward progress requires constant evolution. You have to constantly stay pointed in the direction of forward progress and keep moving keep evolving because that's a perfect example of that. There's a lot of people caught up in this mess right now of cybersecurity and business continuity. But the truth is, yeah, we have to keep evolving as things change in the world. Yep.
3: One thing that always gets to me, though, I feel sorry for small businesses that rely on these government contracts because they have so much work to do. They've already been paid to do this for the most part in their contracts. A lot of time they're supposed to be NIST compliant, but a lot of them aren't.
2: I feel bad. On the borderline between sympathy and now we have to keep moving forward and now it's got rival and national security. It's guys gonna be cyber secure. Ukraine-Russia war is proof that now cyber war is actually how war is gonna be fought going forward. So if you don't want to be cyber secure, we really can't have you part of the DIB, the defense industrial base, because you're putting us all at risk. So if you don't want to take your cybersecurity seriously, then we really need you to look at other contracts and not Department of Defense contracts, because then that puts us all at risk.
1: I also think that the biggest problem, though, for the DIP contractors that took contracts and self-attested and not fully understood all of the work and continuous work that needs to be done to be compliant to get that contract with NIST 800-171 and DFAR-7012. My point is that had there been more underscoring or highlighting of those requirements, I think that then those businesses would not have made some future decisions. Maybe they thought they could afford to hire another body or human or whatever, or maybe they thought they could afford the rent at that better location. But if they knew how much work it is to be compliant and how it was really the baseline, then they may not have made those other financial... So yeah, I get it. I understand what you're saying, Aaron, and I agree with you. But I think that there should have been more emphasis and education five years
2: ago on this stuff when you were rebuilding computers and went off into cybersecurity as a very young person you were forward thinking at that time and on the cutting edge at that time unfortunately the upper levels of governance in the world at the global level was not at the cutting edge with you there. And so what's happened is they've not led humanity towards with the cutting edge leading. So now here we are dealing with the consequences of that. Because as soon as the internet started, as soon as we started using the internet, cybersecurity should have been the top priority. If you think about how the internet evolved, lean from their home
4: landline to connect to the internet, there wasn't Wi-Fi. We're just learning about the internet and all of its coolness and good sides and flowers and smiles and, People were too busy instant messaging. I could be wrong, but most likely people at that time weren't thinking like, oh, how can we use this for monetary advantage? Or how can we use this to take advantage
3: of somebody else at that time? But there had to be some people that realized it, right? Like, yeah, the people
2: like well, Craig, yeah. who was building stuff. in the start of your career, you were laying network cables and stuff for lots of government places. And you probably started to get an alien back then that some of this is not quite tied up.
1: Yeah. Have you all seen the movie War Games? No. No. Oh, gosh. That's your homework assignment. (laughs) That's a great movie. That's a classic. So War Games talks about this topic about modems and connectivity at that early stage in time and how he went with his modem and broke into government DARPA system and simulated global thermal nuclear war. And uh, basically the other sides of the military thought it was really happening. I won't spoil the movie, but yeah, you definitely need to watch that. That was my childhood of growing up in that era, that time and popular publications of the time. And this is still around, but 2600 Magazine, have, have you guys ever heard of that stuff? No. Oh yeah. That's another homework assignment. So 2600 is the frequency of the quarter tone of the analog payphone. And 2600 was founded by the handle, I think it was Fiber Optic was this handle, to be able to whistle the 2600 (laughs) tone into a payphone to get free credits. And the payphone thought that he was putting quarters in it.
2: Oh, wow.
1: That's where 2600 Magazine came from. And the magazine is all about the hacker community and educating in a small magazine format, educating the people that are interested in it, like me at the time. (laughs) I still read it, actually, of all the exploits and all the stuff you think that you are reading every day. It's actually published in the magazine's. And this is where you heard about Kevin Mitnick, I'm sure, where he yeah. persuaded large corporations like AT and broke into their phone systems that I grew up in all that time. It's That's not like it did. didn't exist then. It, of yeah. course it existed then. It was just at an analog level. And now it, since we're all connected, the landscape has grown exponentially. And now you've got technologists and hackers that are doing this stuff, not locally anymore, but across the
2: world. Because now you're pointing out a fact that people of the masses likely do not really comprehend, is that the internet and the cyber realm is not separate from science and nature itself. These things are all the same forces at play, just different pathways and different routes. But if you can whistle and fool a machine about a frequency, there you go. We're coming full circle. This is all related to nature and science as well. Yep. It's a crazy world we live in right now. <laughs> yeah.
3: Maybe one day we can talk about the mycelium network. It is crazy.
4: <laughs> yeah. I got a new idea for your next book. The Cyber war of Cybersecurity. <laughs> okay. Let's say that again, Blake. I didn't quite hear the, it. The Cyborg of Cybersecurity. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I was reading it. It's funny you say that because I swear this came to me naturally this morning. I, I go through the little news headlines in the morning and I was reading an article where they were speculating that Elon Musk has a new. Twitter photo where he's wearing his glasses and they say that he's trying to emulate a turnier. As soon as I saw that, the first thought that popped in my head is, oh, that's actually not the one. It would be Craig (laughs) (laughs) Petrovic. The world is not as simple as we thought. Cybersecurity is so complicated. So is the whole world. You have concepts such as quantum entanglement. How does all this really work? And how does it really all connect? And how does creation work in the cosmos? And then when you have people that have a turn of knowledge about things that are relative to all of these very mysterious and important points, it's worth paying attention. And there's some significance to that. When you scale out 500 years and you'll see that there's some places that shine extra bright. And those are worth mm-hmm. paying attention to. Yeah,
4: you know, it's funny that you say that and you bring up the Terminator because if you look at the Terminator movie, it perfectly describes the evolution of the internet.
2: It really does. And then you have that one blockchain, not saying that's it, but you, it's interesting because you have a blockchain called Skynet and that's from the Terminator movies. And a lot of the things that the community centers and stuff, and there's this slogan, machines around. It's just really interesting because as far as the quantum realm goes and quantum mechanics, it's literally outside of time. And so then you start thinking about all this. Okay, so something from the future making its entrance into the present in a very organic way. The honest answer to that would have to be yes. Scientifically, yes. The answer would be yes.
4: Yeah, I think about the first movie when they sent back a human and that was the Internet and the infancy phase. And in the second movie, they sent back Arnold and he was the first machine. And then they sent him back and then they sent the liquid cyborg and then in the following features and these crazy hybrid mechanisms of cyborgs and liquid metal. Yep.
3: I don't think I've seen any of the Terminator movies.
2: Uh, It's very interesting. It's obvious, even if you don't understand certain scientific concepts and stuff, it's fairly obvious that if something from a different timeline or different place was to be here in the physical present, it would be obvious that it would probably have to forsake some of its memory. Enable able to pull that off, which would explain why people don't necessarily understand themselves fully until maybe a certain point. But it makes perfect sense because you have to give something up in order to yeah. pull that off. When you talk about quantum entanglement, we know that quantum entanglement is real because it's been studied, it's been proven. And if there is such a thing as quantum entanglement, then just due to the law of homeostasis, there has to be something to the idea of quantum unfoldment. I'm waiting for the real life Tron
4: to happen. I don't know if you guys have seen <laughs> Tron, but this guy zaps himself into his computer and then builds a world in the computer or the digital space and everything has a function, a program. And and yeah, I'm waiting for that to happen. I- I've told people before, there's two things that I can do that I would never come back ever, like is go to space, knowing that if it's a one-way ticket, I would die. And then two, like Tron, going to my computer, knowing I can never come back as long as I knew that type of environment would exist.
2: Well, it's going to be the opposite. Like, maybe that type of environment is stepping from the background to the foreground and merging with reality. And maybe that would be a great uplifting to all of us.
3: How do you know it hasn't happened yet?
2: I'd say that deep down, he suspects it's happening. I personally will never be convinced that it was a coincidence that around the time that Craig was doing his heavy Bitcoin mining, there were all these sonic booms in Raleigh that were on the news. Like, I'm not hearing the booms, I'm hearing the news stories about it. And I was like, that's interesting. (laughs) I think it's happening now because obviously all. The
4: digital things are coming into the real world, but the organics aren't going into the digital world.
2: Perfect culmination, because I think you hear people throwing around the term metaverse. And I think even Zuckerberg misunderstood what metaverse could really be or should really be because he was looking to make it this blue and purple galaxy world that's not real in the 3D. But maybe it's supposed to be the opposite. Maybe it's coming through of dark matter and the quantum, whatever you want to call it, coming into 3D and just giving us that extra sprinkle of a little stand-up straighter and everything's going to be okay. A little bit of help. Maybe that's the metaverse. Maybe it wasn't the other way. Maybe that's why there's a loss of many billion dollars recently around that concept. Maybe it wasn't to be explained. I
4: read this article about the metaverse and how it's not
2: really the metaverse.
4: I can't remember what the name of the movie was or it was a book or something that the whole concept the metaverse was constructed. That was Ready Player One. Kind of, but it was a different
1: I can look it up and I can send it to you. I think Ready Player One is probably the best book around For sure. Neil Stevenson and Snow Crash coined the, the word metaverse. I think it was a great read and really painted the picture of what the metaverse could be.
3: You guys should really consider reading the girl who's blind and then she wakes up and she can see the internet basically. What's the title? It's WWW Wake it's three books in the series. It's really cool. I've talked to BJ about this so much. So it's coming of age. It's the awakening of AI and how this girl can see the internet but she also is really smart and teaches it how to add and stuff and the learning on it. Then it just learns more. Let's just talk facts. It's so weird because sometimes people don't accept
2: certain concepts because they consider them to be fanciful, but they're looking at the concept through preconceived notions and judgments instead of just looking at the facts. And when you just look at the facts, if you look at a lot of ancient scientists and philosophers, they were quite fanciful because they looked at these facts and the facts begged these questions. Because for an example, We were just talking about the internet and how it's connected to nature and science. And along those lines, following that fact, our bodies are 98% dark matter. They're 98% space. And there's religious teachings because it's nice to study religion just through the lens of the history of humanity because there's religious teachings where it said bring forth what is within you. And so now that they're approaching quantum, trying to understand quantum computers and they can't understand why they can't achieve this certain level of coherence with quantum computers. I propose that there's a large number of possible humans that are are quantum computers that are just have been in a sleep state not been in a full awareness. But that when a certain level of awareness is unlocked, I do think that there are walking quantum computers all over the earth right now. And they're just coming into awareness. And that seems fanciful until you just study the facts. You have 98% space within you. Internet is literally cyberspace and it's connected to science and nature. So tell me from a reverse engineering standpoint, How that could not be possible. There's no way you could tell me it's not possible. Look at how the brain works. Look at how the brain works. That is a remarkable, the brain is a remarkable computer, but there's a disconnect between the mind, body, and soul. And maybe when those things are connected in in the right alignment, maybe these quantum computers awaken. Very interesting. It brings us back full circle of why it's very important to know a smart cyber guy, because if we're all quantum computers, <laughs> we're going to need some help. <laughs> my awareness has definitely changed over the last couple of years. There's no doubt about that. I've reached a different level of awareness for sure. And I can attest to the fact that when I do such things as yoga and stretching and certain things to work on my spine alignment and stuff, I can assure you that my body feels different than it used to I, Let me give you an example. Yesterday, I was standing, what appeared to be standing still. And my daughter walks by and she's like, mom, what are you doing? You're just standing there. I'm like, no, I'm actually working out. And she's like, what are you talking about? You're just standing still. I'm like, yeah, but you have no idea what's going on inside my body right now. I can feel all the space in my body and I'm in touch with it. I'm aware of it. And so I'm aware of movements in my body that I used to overlook. I never was in touch with the space in my body before. And now I'm so attuned with it that I can literally sitting here right now talking into my microphone, I can feel five million things happening inside of me. And this was always the case, but I was not aware of it. And as we know, the observer definitely affects the outcome, right, of the scientific process. So now that I'm in an active awareness state observing these things, I'm unfolding in myself. And I'm bringing forth what's within me. And I propose that I'm not the only one that can do this. This is the potential for humanity, that we don't have to be shoulder slumped and, rope you know, we're being led to destruction. No, we can stand and we can shine our own light. Yep.
0: All
3: right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one.
2: Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. For other episodes and more information, visit PetronellaTech.com. Also visit our other websites, ComplianceArmor.com and BlockchainSecurity.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks for listening and stay secure.